episode 871. The Green Bay Packers may be in the midst of a three-game losing streak, but we're looking for reasons for optimism with Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. <laughs> Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're looking for reasons for optimism. I know it's hard in previewing the Bears game. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by Scott McKenna of the Talk and Smack blog, joining us as he does the second Friday of every month. Scott, how you doing this morning? I'm great, Brian. How are you? Very good. Scott, we got to start off the show. We're, we're going to have a little theme to our interview here in a moment, but I got to start with your reaction to the Martellus Bennett news, who we just learned this morning, uh, uh, reported by Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network, Martellus Bennett has a torn rotator cuff What's your reaction to that and everything that's gone on over the past, I don't know, 48 to 72 hours? You know, it's been it's been so confusing to uh, watch the way that this whole thing plays out. And you know, when I saw the report this morning, the first thing that I wondered was how long has he had this injury? And when you put it into consideration as to why and, uh, you know, the Packers released him and the de- designation of you know, failure, failure to disclose an injury. And uh, then you put it together with how Bennett performed this year. And say what you want about Martellus Bennett. You know, he's been with a number of teams throughout his career. He's always been a highly productive performer. And, uh, you know, it just made me wonder if maybe this injury has lingered on since uh, potentially around training camp and he didn't disclose it and um, tried to play through the pain and just was a, a shell of himself. And now you hear that uh, the report today is suggesting that he might try to play through the pain. So clearly it's an injury that, uh, um, uh, you know, is, is bothersome and is going to be limiting, uh, but it might be something that, uh, that he can deal with. And it sounds to me like uh, when you put everything together and uh, put your investigative hat on, it really feels as though, Bennett, uh, you know, he put himself in a spot where he thought he could at least play through the pain and be a productive blocker for a team that he thought was a title contender. And as soon as the word came out on Rodgers as to what it was um, and the severity of his injury and he saw the the season sort of seeming to uh, spiral downhill, maybe Bennett cashed it in on uh, on his teammates and saw that this was possibly an opportunity for him to either force a release or to, you know, just sit himself on IR and uh, um, and then possibly retire at the end of the year. So I know that's a wide variety of thought, but you just the biggest thing that I'm uh, I'm curious about is when did this torn rotator cuff actually occur? Because uh, it didn't appear as though there was anything of significance that happened, uh, you know, between the, the start of the season and, um, um, you know, and, and now. So I'm wondering if this hasn't been something that he's just been playing with. And because of it, he's, he's been a shell of himself. And 
allow me to just go through some of the details of the release here, Scott. Here's what we know about the release of Martinez Bellet, uh, Bennett. Uh, a, the Packers released him with a designation of failure to disclose injury. Because they did that, they can potentially recoup some of his signing bonus, which is not insignificant. That figure was $6.3 million. Uh, and if you count that against the salary cap, that's over the course of his three-year contract. So something like $2.1 million each season, you know, through 2019. Um, and B, uh, the timing of the release is also significant because before doing by doing it before week 10, Martellus Bennett no longer counts against the Packers compensatory draft pick formula. Had he been on the roster until week 10, he would have canceled out the the fifth round draft pick the Packers are expected to get for the loss of Micah Hyde. So I think we start to understand why the Packers let Bennett go as quickly as they did. You know, there may be some question as to Bennett's motives, but I I understand when you tell the Packers, uh, if you release him now, you can get money back and you can get a draft pick. And Bennett wasn't really all that good. That's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it, Scott? I fully feel the same. And, you know, you look at the the future of the Packers, and, you know, one thing uh, much too many Packer fans chagrin, uh, Ted Thompson really manages the future of this organization. He hasn't been a guy that goes, you know, all in just for one season. And um, he wants the Packers to be consistently in a position to be a title contender each and every year. And, you know, one of the things you do is you you have to you, you have to plan for the future via the draft these days when you've got a quarterback that ultimately when he gets paid is going to be and which will likely happen this offseason will likely be in the top two to three players in the NFL. And it eats up a lot of the salary cap. So a number of your players that end up getting, you know, becoming, um, you know, players on their first contract. It's just the only way that you can play the financial um, you know the financial game of uh, uh, in the in the NFL right now, consider with consideration to the salary cap. So, you know, you look at the future of this franchise, and you're going to have likely ten, you know, twelve picks uh, um, in next year's draft. And I know it's early to talk about the draft, but likely twelve picks in the draft, and the majority of those are going to be top five, you know, five round picks. And I think it was really a no brainer when uh, you read Bennett's uh, conversation about potentially looking at retiring at the end of the year. And then uh, it feels as though he's just sort of pulled a uh, a disappearing act on the franchise here. It really made sense to try and get rid of him to recoup that cash for future salary cap purposes and uh, to uh, to release him uh, um, to the rest of the league to be able to pick up in free agency. Okay, now that we've thoroughly depressed our listening audience, here's where we start to pick everybody up. We got a theme for the rest of the interview, and what we're going to do is give you our reasons for optimism, why this season may not be over yet. We understand it's not looking good right now. But there are reasons as, as you know, we're looking for the silver lining here. And, and Scott and I have each kind of come up with our top three list of reasons for optimism here. And, and Scott, we, we haven't we haven't talked about these ahead of time. So we're going to kind of learn them as we go along. But I'll start with you, Scott. What's what's one of your reasons for optimism? The number one thing for me is the schedule. And, you know, if if the Green Bay Packers are a top three to five team in the league with Aaron Rodgers, without Aaron Rodgers, 
well, they're they're either at or, or near the bottom 10 of the league. And I think that that's what we've seen thus far. Rodgers covers, covers up a lot of holes. But then you look at who we play, and four of the next five games, well, they're teams that you might consider in the, the bottom 10 as well. And uh, two of the last uh, – or two of the – the, the next five games are, are teams that are among the four worst teams in the NFL, not just from a record standpoint, but also from uh, the quality of, of play perspective. So, you know, when I look at, uh, at the, the way this season could play out, and it's always fun to project. And you say, well, four of our next five games are against, you know, Chicago this weekend. I really believe that we're going to win this weekend. Then you bring Baltimore, who has a lot of issues of their own. They don't. They, they aren't healthy. They can't move the ball offensively and defensively. They're really banged up. They live off turnovers, and if they don't get them, they don't win. Um, you know. Then we go play Pittsburgh, and Pittsburgh is probably going to drop 50 points on us to wish us happy Thanksgiving. Um, I'm going to be at that game. I will. I will add as well. And uh, you know, then we then we have uh, Tampa, and we've got Cleveland, who are you know the Tampa have a combined two wins at this time and. Uh, you know, I think they're both trying to figure out uh, figure out their organizations right now. So I look at it and I think that, you know, the, the Packers schedule has them in a position where we can theoretically win four of the next five games, at which point we're uh, we're going to test out Rogers shoulder and see if he's 80 to 85 percent healthy and ready to play. And, uh, you know, the Packers could presumably then be eight and five. Uh, at which point I would think if the Packers are eight and five after 13 games and Rodgers is healthy enough to give it a go, I'd have to fancy that Rodgers is going to lace him up and uh, and say, hey, let's see if uh, if I can have a heroic performance to close the season or not. So, you know, I, I think it's while it's one game at a time, the outlook of uh, who you're playing each and every week puts you in a position where, yeah, I know we're five, five and a half point dogs uh, this week. But we're going to be a, a, a team that or we're going to be playing against teams where, you know, I think Vegas could even say that we're projected to win these games here in the future. So, um, you know, and uh, in two of the four, four, two of those four games are also at Lambeau. And uh, I'm hoping that, the you know, the faithful can stay united and stay strong and be able to provide a home field advantage in those games. So, you know, I think the quality of opponent really gives me optimism that the Packers are going to be able to find some victories here uh, starting this weekend. Good point. I'll get into my number three if we're going in ascending order, descending, ascending order. Uh, my third reason for optimism here, and it, it's probably the weakest of the three, uh, but it's Brett Hundley, and, and it's a quarterback gaining more experience, learning from his mistakes, but also the Packers learning more and more as time goes on about Brett Hundley. I realize they they knew about him already, but they're learning more all the time and it would be the same about the Green Bay Packers of 2008 and Aaron Rodgers in his first season you know learning his strengths and weaknesses so taking advantage of the strengths and avoiding the weaknesses and one of the strengths that I think the the Packers are going to continue to utilize out of Brett Hundley is the read option and I actually think that could be a play you use on like a third and short that, you know, Brett, Brett Hundley reading the defense and whether to hand off to a running back like Aaron Jones or keep it for himself, reading that defensive end 
you know, he could gain just one or two yards. And I think he has that ability. And I realize we probably want to learn more out of him, you know, passing the ball and want to see some more downfield passing. I understand that too. Um, And if the Packers can simply make it easier on Brett Hundley by running a capable screen pass once in a while, something that should be an easily completable pass, and it doesn't have to go for 50 yards all the time, but if they can get 5 to 10 in the first down, it's going to take so much pressure off Brett Hundley. And I hope he's going to get better at that and just going to get better as time goes along. I realize he's not going to be a Pro Bowl quarterback, but I believe any quarterback is going to improve from game one to game 10 uh, over his number of starts. That's uh, so eloquently stated. And I have to say, you know, I was going to bring this up and in, in uh, as my final point, but I'll just uh, I'll skip to it right now because it seems like a good segue. And, you know, I have I share a lot of those same thoughts and I, I point to not just Hunley, but the McCarthy-Hunley combination. And there's open receivers. If anybody watches any of the All-22, there are open receivers there on the field. Hunley's not seeing them. It looks like he's looking at the – it looks like he's watching the rush. And uh, because he's watching the rush, the fundamentals of the team have to be perfect or else, uh, you know, the the play goes bad. Like, you look at the the highlight of the Jones block that was so uh, uh, well-documented on uh, social media – and in the media itself. Well, the biggest thing was, is had Hunley recognized that Jordy Nelson, who appeared to me like he might be the one, number one read out of the slot there, his defender had slipped. Jordy's got his left hand, ar- ar- left arm raised in the air. He's got an easy six points on the opening drive. Can you imagine how, how electric the stadium would have been if yeah. the, they would have engineered a you know an 80-yard drive to start for a touchdown? Um, but Hunley is looking at the pressure instead of stepping up and and getting rid of the ball and uh, um, and hitting an open Nelson for a touchdown. Instead, he's watching what his protection's doing. Jones misses the block. Hunley takes a sack. Drive killed. And it was such a. It's those types of things that I think are highly coachable. And as the game slows down and he's able to sit down and watch the film and he's seeing that the crossing route is open. The middle of the field is open right now. Kendricks has been open. Adams has been open on crossing routes. Cobb has been open underneath. And Hunley's just been really too quick to escape the pocket and not look at the, look down the field for the possibility of the big play. And, you know, it's, it's uh, through this I'd like to add that, you know, everybody who's pointing fingers at McCarthy, it seems like that happens each and every year. And it seems like each and every year McCarthy's team responds. He's been such a masterful leader. Anytime the Packers have been able to find adversity, and it seems like, you know, since McCarthy joined the Packers, there's been a lot of adversity, starting with the far fiasco. And each and every year, the locker room has stayed, um, it stayed unified, it stayed tight. Um, you typically don't get this uh, nonsense that uh, Martellus Bennett has brought. And, uh, um, um, and when you do see these sort of things, McCarthy brings the locker room together and it stays hushed and nothing gets out. And it's just a real tight knit community. And uh, because of that, I, I just feel like the, the Hunley um, McCarthy combination is really going to, going to, going to grow together. And I think when you, you combine that with the, the, the teams that we're going to be playing, we're going to see a, a better output on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, it's a lot closer than what uh, than what the media is making it out to be. 
where you know if, if you know it's it's a, there's a lot of what ifs, but the what ifs game could be fun. Like you know, we 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 look at last week where you know Hunley just misses Adams streaking down the sidelines for a, that would have apparently been a touchdown. I wish I would I wish Adams would have laid out for the ball, but you know yeah. it's just we've been so close. And then Brian, to add on to what you're saying about that read option, two things that really struck me from from last week, and maybe the best thing that happened to the Packers. Um, you know, last week was the success that they had in the fourth quarter when the blood seemed to be flowing a little bit faster in Huntley's veins as he was trying to hurry up and get the Packers to the line of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. He knew that there was a sense of urgency. Um, there was a no huddle uh, uh, feel to it. Um, you know, they, they used, uh, I will say they used Montgomery as a third down back and that uh, and a two minute warning fast pace back and he really seemed to be excelling in that. And it looked like, okay, we were trying to figure out what's going to be the role for Montgomery. Is Jones gonna, just going to be the every down back? And, you know, Jones has his strengths. Montgomery has, has his as well. And I think that we, we, we saw a way that we can use both of those backs that way. Jones is the guy between the tackles and on the pitches. And Montgomery, when the speed gets elevated. And I just really felt like that, that showed me something that maybe Hunley felt maybe a little bit more comfortable when he was uh, running up to the line of scrimmage and maybe the defense had less time to prepare between plays uh, because where he's really struggled is reading the, the blitzes and, and studying the defense pre-snap has really been a struggle. And that might be the biggest pain that he experiences, you know, for the rest of this year, because you can only simulate so much in, uh, in practice with the current CBA laws. So uh, those are, those are, uh, you know, uh, a long winded thought, but I really do feel like, uh, the McCarthy uh, Hunley combination is going to continue to grow. One thing I'll add that I hope Brett Hundley can get better at is when he steps up in the pocket, somehow he steam seems to step into the pass rush. Aaron Rodgers is obviously <laughs> so good at avoiding it, but I, I just don't know how you like step into the pass rusher. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm spoiled here. I hope Brett Hundley can get better at that. It really does feel like he's stepping into sacks, though. He's it stepping does. into sacks. Yeah. Yeah. For a guy as athletic as he is, just get out of their way. You'll buy yourself some time. Um, mm-hmm. That's a sixth sense type of thing. Anyway, uh, my number two reason about my reason for optimism here, uh, Aaron Jones, uh, despite his performance this past week, I have no questions that he can be the lead back for the Green Bay Packers in the back of the future uh, based upon what we've seen in these couple previous games in which he's run for over 100 yards so early in his career. You know, the games that he's, you know, just getting out of the gate and he's being as productive as any back the Packers have seen in in a couple years. I, I guess Eddie Lacy did have some very good games for the Green Bay Packers. But, you know, Aaron Jones, I, I like him a lot. Um and and really think he can be a big part of this Packers offense. Uh, I think he can be helpful in both the run and the passing game. Uh, he's got to work on the pass protection. Uh, but I, I think the skills and the tools are there for for Aaron Jones to to be the type of player that can take pressure off Brett Hundley. And, and I do think that you know I, I think there was a lot of tension after the last game. 
that the Packers defense was so bad that, you know, I think people only want to pick on one thing at a time. And, and, but I, I, I do criticize the play calling in that they didn't, you know, five carries is just not enough for Aaron Jones. And I, I think those yards would have came had they stuck with them a little bit more. You know, it's interesting. I can, I can agree that there were some highly questionable play calling notably and uh, it was uh, something that I meant to add previously was that four and t- fourth and two, um, you know, pitch or a flick to Cobb or whatever it was uh, to go along with your thought on the read option. That would have been a great time, I felt like, for the read option. It was yes. kind of begging for it. And uh, I, too, was uh, was hoping for uh, for more of Jones. But it really felt like uh, McCarthy was putting out a teaching lesson for Jones. And it, it, it appeared as though... Uh, you know, McCarthy or uh, Montgomery, I should say, had a little bit of a flow going to him. And, I, and McCarthy maybe felt like uh, I'm going to teach the guy a lesson and uh, I'm going to give this game to, to Montgomery, who seems to be, uh, um, you know, in a in a little bit of a rhythm right now and playing with the with the heightened energy that we hadn't seen, the mm-hmm. you know, the game before against the Saints. Yeah. Oh, great, Scott. Your last reason here. You know, every single year, Dom Capers' defense has this just stretch where it's just like, you know, the fire capers hashtag just goes crazy. <laughs> and uh, we're in the heart of it right now. But, Brian, every single year when we see that, it's because of the outside linebacker play. And the outside linebacker play goes south. And, uh, you know, there's anybody who's studied a 3-4 defense, even for a minute of its life, you know that the outside linebacker position is the most crucial component of a successful 3-4 defense. It's why the Steelers seem to draft an outside linebacker in the top two to three rounds every single year. The Packers' defense this year is, has actually shown some great signs of being, uh, being tenacious, being aggressive, being physical when their outside linebacker play has been, has been uh, sublimely crafted. And a lot of that depends on Ahmad Brooks' health. And it appears as though we're getting Brooks back. I loved what we saw from Beagle last week for a guy that hasn't played football in essentially a year. And he comes back and he's fighting and he's forceful. And I know he didn't get credit for uh, forcing the fumble, uh, but he was right in the – I don't believe I should say he got credit for forcing the fumble, but he was right in the mix there. And he was uh, he was stout in, in the run game, which – you know, I think is going to be a, a you know a big component for the growth of this team, as what we've seen. Two things that that have really have really frustrated me. First and foremost, Clay Matthews as a pass rusher has always been best when he's winning with speed around the outside, yep. and it seems like we consistently have him running stouts to the or stunts to the inside, and he's getting eaten up. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah, the offensive linemen they're just running a zone scheme. And uh, they're 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 not blocking man. They're bo- they're blocking zone. So he's like running right into a guard. It was like T.J. Lang was like laughing at it. He was just like <laughs> swallowing people up, and it felt like all right, hey, let's dance. And uh, there was there was almost no physicality to the pass rush. And you watched when we had Fackrell and Blake Martinez on one side running stunts. I mean, or stunts that was just like baffling that that would be our uh, our stretch. But we're getting Brooks. And we're getting Beagle back. And uh, Brooks has been a, he, he when he was playing on the playing earlier in the year, he was just a, I mean, he was impressive. And uh, I just have to believe that um, this clean pocket that we've seen quarterbacks for the opposition have over the last three weeks 
against Minnesota, against New Orleans, and against uh, uh, Detroit, where we, we've really had little to absolutely no pressure. And when you combine it, combine it with wide, with uh, wide receivers who seem to be getting a, a clean release each and every time, well, it's pitch and catch, and uh, it's been too easy. And I really feel that the health of the outside linebacker position, it's coming back, and I think we're going to see an immediate difference uh, with, uh, with Brooks's arrival. And I'm really, really, really pining for an, an opportunity to see a third down when we have Beagle and Brooks and Perry and Matthews. Um, that's athleticism, that's speed, that's quickness and strength that, uh, that uh, are going to be able to offer a wide variety of moves to be able to get to the quarterback. And I think the health of our outside linebackers is really going to uh, change the viewing of our, uh, of our defense and the design of our defense. I'm all for anything that gets Kyler Fackrell off the field, and that's, you know, the return of Ahmad Brooks per, per, potentially here. Um, my my last reason here kind of dovetails with yours a little bit in that I'm uh, my reason for optimism is these rookies getting some experience playing time now where they necess- weren't necessarily getting all that much early in the year. Um, especially Vince Beagle, which you've already gone in depth with, you know, making his debut last week. We saw last week for the first time, uh, Montrevious Adams getting an extended look. Yeah. He played in one other game previously this year for like three snaps. That's nothing, but he finally played a role last week and yeah, he didn't do much, but it's, he's finally going to learn from it though. (laughs) You know, it, you got to play to learn from it and he's doing that finally. Uh, we saw um, before Morgan Burnett got hurt, we saw Josh Jones play some deep safety for the first time. And, and I think, you know, he has the potential to be better than, than a guy like Kentrell Bryce was in that role, who, you know, flashed from time to time, uh, but now he's on injured reserve. And, and Kevin King's been playing all along, and I, I think we see the potential there. He hasn't really realized it. But, I mean, there's four guys I talked about, rookies, uh, on defense and, and all draft picks. And I'll tell you what, uh, we you probably overlook him because he wasn't a draft pick, but one rookie that I think has got to get more playing time is Lindsey Pipkins, the undrafted rookie, who in the one game he played this year, heck, uh, he really stood out to me. I think he stood out to everybody who watched that game. And then he almost played, he played like three snaps this past game. Why not here in a season that looks like, you know, it's going down in a spiral, uh, why not get him more time? You know, I fully agree. Pipkins looks like he could be a guy that uh, is our best slot cornerback and our, our best guy that's, uh, that would be, a, traditionally speaking, the nickel guy. He really feels like he brings length and quickness to that uh, to to the to the slot cornerback position and uh, gets in and out of his breaks well and he, he he's not afraid to stick his nose in there and make a tackle he seems like he might be our most uh, I guess maybe our second most physical cornerback behind Devon House in the run and the run game and uh, yeah I've, uh, I've uh, actually been wondering why Pipkins hasn't played as well and that's a good point about uh, you know about Adams where. You know, Adams again. He he too hasn't played football in in, in like a year. And you uh, you look at uh, what his strength was at the college game, playing in you know a highly uh, um, respected SEC conference. He was always the quickest guy off the ball. You look at the Senior Bowl last year, 
quickest guy off the ball in the game. And uh, I think just that uh, getting used to that, the repetition of uh, seeing the snap and getting off the snap, that's going to improve each and every week. And uh, uh, he wasn't the quickest guy this past week. And I think that, you know, that's his true strength. And uh, um, we're going to we're going to see that continue to improve. And, you know, your, your point about Fackrell being off the field. The other thing that I'd like to highlight is, you know, with these injuries and you can only you can only have so much depth. But because of the injuries that we've had at the outside linebacker position and the first two drives the last couple of weeks, we're seeing the Packers at outside linebacker, the most critical position of the three, four. We're lining up Fackrell and Chris Odom. Well, what do you think the result's going to be? And uh, it's it's consistent first yardage and big chunks or, or first downs and big chunks of yardage and it's just uh it's uh, you know you, you can only control so much so i think the the health uh, that we're seeing uh, you know evolving within this defense here um and uh, i think it's really going to help the results scott before we let you go quick bears preview of the game here well you know for for now and forever the bears still suck and uh, <laughs> the, uh, the 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 packers travel into soldier which has been a really friendly environment for us since what 2011 or so uh, i just i just feel like there's consistently been strokes of magic that we've seen um, and you know at this uh, at this stadium uh, you know since the NFC championship game where you know we we clinched trump card and by grabbing the Hallis trophy in the visitors locker room uh, of the NFC championship uh, at Soldier Field and since then it's really been a, a place that we've uh, we've had some really thrilling wins winning the division championship there in 2011 um, you know the Rodgers the Cobb play uh, which uh, with the stroke of magic uh, was just absolutely brilliant. Um, uh, you know, you had Rogers to Nelson last year. It's, there's been a, there's been a, a lot of, uh, a lot of excitement there. And I, I once again, see a really close tight knit game. You know, John Fox is kind of playing his Trubisky offense the same way he did here in Denver with Tebow, just, uh, you know, run, 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 punt. And, uh, um, you know, not do anything that can allow his young quarterback to cost him a game and uh, occasionally having a, the the, uh, the play action roll out and hoping that there's a big shot open downfield that he's going to test. And I really feel like the Packers defensive line is going to win the line of scrimmage. And I think our offensive line is going to have a real good fight and we're going to be able to see some Aaron Jones dashing of the Bears defense. And, um, you know, it's going to be a slower pace game than we typically see out of a Packers Bears game where, uh, you know, the, the Packers oftentimes try to take a bunch of shots against the Bears. And we because of it, we've seen Rodgers have some really exciting games. But I think it's going to be a real slow pace game. I think the Bears are going to be able to get have have uh, some small successes by because they'll play the field position game well. And uh, but the Packers will, will, for the most part, be able to keep them out of the end zone and hold them to three. And I think we're going to see another thriller and it's going to be a big win for Hunley late. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to call a, a late Crosby field goal to claim victory and a 20 to 19 Packers win. Sounds good. Hey, do you think Jason Spriggs is going to be the right tackle? Uh, I think we're going to see him in a week or two. I don't uh, I don't see him being the, the right tackle uh, this week. I think that uh, assuming McCray is going to be healthy enough to go, I think McCray gets the nod. And, uh, you know, Spriggs will eventually be given a shot to be able to earn that. And uh, he will 
have that position, but I, I still think we're going to be a week or two away from Spriggs being the tackle. Fair enough. Scott, thanks so much for talking to us. Uh, take care, and we'll talk to you next month. Go Pack. Go, Brian. See ya. Scott McKenna of the Talking Smack blog joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment and my commentary on it. Not to, We already covered the news, the Martellus Bennett news. Uh, basically, just for this segment, I'm going to give you my uh, game prediction for the Bears game. Uh, Scott already gave his. Um, but call me hard-headed. You know, I called for a Packers win last week, and it w- largely wasn't competitive. I know this team is worse without Aaron Rodgers, but I don't want to believe it can't win, which I think is easy to buy into if you watch. If you've watched this team, they looked hapless lately. I, I admit that. I can readily admit that. But I've been watching football for too long to think mediocre to even poor teams can't win. I see it all the time. I see bad teams winning all the time in the NFL. This game is a must-win for the Packers. If they can't beat the Bears team with a losing record this week, I can't hold out much hope that they can even stay afloat for a playoff spot until Aaron Rodgers returns. If they can't beat the Bears... I'm not sure they can beat the Ravens the following week, and I think it spirals out of control really quickly. But I think that urgency is going to be there, and I think they rise to the occasion. Maybe rise is a bit of a euphemism, but I think there's enough talent here to be competitive with a poor Bears team. I think Brett Hundley improves. I like Aaron Jones. I think there's enough young talent on the defense to make some plays. I've gotten to the point where I think the Packers do have to win ugly, however. I can't predict them at this point to score more than 21 points. I haven't seen any evidence of that in the past, you know, three weeks, basically three losses. So I think they're going to have to win somewhere in the neighborhood of like 21 to 17. And that's what I'm going with. Packers win 21-17. Mark it, dude. The day ahead. Friday is the final injury report of the week, and it's not quite as anticipated as it was in previous weeks. There's a few less players on the injury report. The names that are on there aren't quite as high profile as there was earlier in the season when like, you were wondering, oh, is Brian Balaga and David Bakhtiari going to play? Um, is Kevin King going to be back? But But I think we're looking at the status of a couple defenders here that could help the team. Ahmad Brooks and Joe Thomas have returned to practice this week, uh, albeit on a limited basis, but that's better than a week ago. And we'll see if they're ready to return or not. And we're waiting to learn more about defensive lineman Quinton Dial. He hasn't practiced this week, but remember last week, he wasn't ruled out uh, of the Lions game. So there's the possibility he could still play with a little bit of time left here. So that's what we're looking at this week, and, and that's going to do it for today's episode of Railbird Central. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us today. Thank you to Scott McKenna, the Talking Smack blog, for joining us uh, and, and previewing the Bears game here and talking about our reasons for optimism. Uh, going to be back three days from now uh, on Monday morning um, and uh, recap the Bears game. 
Railbird Central typically airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. That'll do it, folks. For um, behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Kirvu. I leave you today with a song called In the Kitchen by Umphreys McGee on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go Pack Go. It was cold in the kitchen and the lights were low as winter slowly stumbled.